what is the ultimately the change in the world, the change in the life of the customer that we're committed to making real? You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Tuesday, which means this is our hashtag one big idea episode. In these episodes, you'll hear some of the best big ideas from incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. Here we go. Welcome to the Flip My Funnel podcast. I am super pumped and excited for this session. Uh, I know all, I have I've known off Andy for a while, and I saw him in action at uh, at a hypergrowth conference that happened in Boston. And he did a phenomenal job of talking about strategic messaging and positioning. And one of the things Andy does really well and is known for is advising and helping CEOs build their strategic narratives and story. And, and, and I believe personally that stories is, 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 is what people remember. Uh, I think when we're all long gone, people are going to tell stories about us uh, to other people. And they're never going to say, oh, Sangram was... Uh, good at uh, you know like typing fast emails or, or doing anything of, of work related. They're going to tell a story about you and me or anybody else out there in the world. So I think storytelling is such a such a hard thing to do. And I know that Andy uh, Andrew Raskin is is really one of the very few people who have done it, have been helping companies do it. So I'm thrilled to invite Andy to the show. Andy, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. It's a real honor to be here with you, Sangram. You know, we it, it was great hearing you talk at Hypergrowth too, and um, uh, you're you're clearly one of the leaders, someone who's uh, you know built a company around a, an amazing story. Uh, so I'm I'm hoping to learn as much from you as uh, today as anything that, uh, that 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 I might say. Oh man, this is gonna be fun. All right, so Andy, one of the reasons I wanted you to be on the show is because. Storytelling is incredibly hard, and you clearly are advising and helping companies um, like Salesforce and Uber and Square and Intel. Uh, and, and it's amazing when I when I hear that, man. What do these companies have to learn? What do they do? Could you share a little bit about your experience of like, well, one, let's just start with like why storytelling in your mind is important, and then two, really dive deeper into maybe how you have helped a company kind of create their story or or narrative and idea around it. Yeah. um, When I, the first time that I started to think about this stuff was uh, back, I'd say it's sort of like the the dot-com years. So I was a undergrad computer science major. Uh, I was, I was always a coder as a kid um, and came out as a software developer. That was my first job out of college and around that time, I had an idea for a Windows app with a friend, and we thought it could be the basis of a business. And so of the two of us, I spoke English fluently, and so we decided, okay, that qualifies me of the two of us to write the business plan. So I, I write it, and we send it out to some VCs, and the reaction was was really horrible. And one of them wrote back to me, uh, Andy, I rate every business plan I get on a scale of one to 10 and yours is a one. And, (laughs) and then he wrote next to that in parentheses worst in case we thought that maybe one was the the top of his scale. Uh, so no, uh, he dashed those hopes. 
Uh, and then he wrote something else. He wrote uh, Not a Compelling Story. And I didn't really pay that much attention to it at first. But a few weeks later, I was walking by this Barnes & Noble in Manhattan, where I live. And there's a big sign in the window that says, for anyone who wants to tell a compelling story. Okay, that's us. And there's an arrow pointing to these books that are all screenwriting books. And okay, I know nothing about this, but okay, we have nothing to lose. So I buy the books and uh, read them. And so, okay, what if we wrote our plan, our pitch, uh, kind of along the, the structure that these books are talking about? And we tried it. And I'm sure we did a not the greatest job, but everything kind of changes. We start getting invited to pitch more. The pitches go better. <laughs> and within about three, four months, we had a term sheet from some pretty good VCs. And this really uh, floored me. Like, what is this story thing that I never uh, really learned much about uh, that just played a really important role in getting us funded, that eventually played a role in, in getting that company uh, acquired, you know, and, and everything else in between. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, th that, that story is kind of what kicked off the interest for me in storytelling. Uh, jump a few years later, I actually got so into it, I, I had a career for a while as a journalist uh, and then came back to the tech world when somebody at Skype uh, asked me for some help on pitch, creating a pitch for the eBay board when, when Skype was owned by eBay. And that eventually led to the work that I do now, which is, as you said, working with CEOs uh, and their leadership team to align around what is the, the one story we're telling through everything that we do. Wow, that's amazing. So let's dive into this whole uh, whole structure that you, you think. Is it like structure of a movie of uh, having a hero and a guide? and a, That's what I'm kind of picturing in my mind as you're thinking about like, well, screenwriters, will they write stories? Well, maybe it's they have this seven-part kind of thing that they, they need to create in order to, to build the story, the emotions, the hype and the low and, and all those things. Is that what you're talking about? You know, it, I, one of the things that I've been so interested in is, you know, obviously we're not building a three-act screenplay here, <laughs> uh, you know. So what if it what what does apply and what doesn't, and uh, what what when it does apply, how how do we apply it? That's been so interesting, and and I think where I've learned the most, uh, and still still really uh, learning quite a bit. I think that the. Uh, Yes, the, the basic structure is that we're going to have this hero who's going to face some some big challenges. Um, and if you look at the, you know, the standard company story, um, we like to say that, you know, we're all customer centric and all this. But the language that most of us use for things like mission statements uh, or positioning statements, it's very uh, us centric, <laughs> you know, we, we want to disrupt payments. Um, the value we offer is X, uh, the, you know, the category we want to own is this it's, um, we, the main character of that story, you know, is us. Yeah. I mean, I remember one of the companies uh, that uh, I, I'm not going to say the name of it that I worked with. They said our vision is to be X million dollar 
uh, company. And I was like, well, that's a goal, right? You know, it's not right. an actual vision or, uh, or one of them was actually had an EBITDA number. And I'm like, man, that's a really CFO driven company if I have to really think about the uh, EBITDA number in it. So that, that's very interesting that you bring out is, is that there are a lot of companies who might confuse between, or even teams who might confuse between a goal-oriented uh, vision or just a vision that is more centered towards uh, your customers. So I'd love to hear examples of that. Like, what does a good vision statement look like? Well, so I'll give you, yeah, one one that I really love. Um, I, there, there's, there's so many. Um, but one that I love is Airbnbs uh, live there. So, you know... If you actually, I, I went to Airbnb's site recently, and I, I didn't see it. I think partly is they they branded it so well, they don't, almost don't have to say it anymore. You you just see the logo, and it's it's about living there. Um, but they, you know, some people call this kind of thing like a tagline. Um, I, I th- there's nothing I hate more than that phrase <laughs> because <laughs> I, I don't hate the the, the concept, but the the tagline does not express the kind of narrative work that this that these words have to do and i think live there expresses what i call the promised land you know what is the ultimately the change in the world the change in the life of the customer that we're committed to making real um and the design of this promised land is something that uh when i work with teams uh, we're usually spending the bulk of the time on um, because there's, there's a lot of trade-offs. We're having to make a, it, it's, it's almost a, a design project uh, where we have to trade off between something very high, very high level, something more concrete. That is beautiful, man. I, I love the idea of like the promised land. I think that's a big takeaway in itself. Uh, it, it's and, and and the fact that you know you think about a company like Airbnb, they could probably have a paragraph explaining what they do, or they could have ten words, but they uh, they chose to have a word like there in it. And I would assume most journalists like yourself and others would probably, well, you know, we need to have action words and this and that, but they literally had live there. And that explains everything that they do. It got to be a really, really hard job to figure out what is, what are those one, two, three, four words. And, and I also wonder if, you know, you know, you're through your experience, you're looking at it and saying, and then less is more. And, and it's, you know, is it really that you have to talk to a ton of customers to figure it out? Or a lot of people internally know it intrinsically, but they just haven't been able to articulate it. Like, why Why is there so much challenge around creating a really expressive messaging and narrative? Well, I think you got to a lot of the issues. Uh, you know, there's there's difference of, differences of opinion. So you're having to align a lot of people around it. Um I, I, you mentioned customers and talking to customers. I have found that very frequently customers will put it in a way that we never thought to put it. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, there's a company called Wootrick that I worked with. And Wootrick does, as you may know, uh, all kinds of survey or surveys around uh, customer satisfaction, that promoter score. And they have interesting, really cool tools to kind of like present these in uh, the right context. So like while you're using an app versus necessarily like getting just getting an email later on. And 
one of obviously one of our big challenges, what's going to be the promised land message that we're talking about uh, for, for Wuchik customers? What is the future we want to uh, have them aspire to? And we were thinking, you know, like, you know, retain your customers, keep them happy. You know, it just it, it was just sort of like kind of not really very it wasn't coming to life. And we started talking to the customers, which is something I, I always do in projects with, with teams. And one of them is actually before we interviewed this person, uh, we looked at his LinkedIn profile and right at the top of his profile, his, his, you know, summary said, my mission is to win customers for life and win customers for life. That was, isn't that what, uh, what folks want to do? Uh, that became the promised land message. If you go to wootrick.com, uh, at least last time, last time I looked, you'll see it at the top. Um, one one CIO, C, CEO I worked with uh, said something that I thought was interesting about the promised land, that, that it should be almost uh, asymptotically achievable. And it's a kind of limit. You know, our, our, We're not really going to win all customers, all of them for, for life, but it's something we, we want to strive for and that feels uh feels like hey yes that's what we want yeah yeah i love that man i think um you know and I, i'm i'm a little bit of a history uh, junkie as well so uh you know I, I, one time i read the Decla- declaration of independence for for the united states and it has the pursuit of you know the of, of independence and the pursuit was a word in it right for pursuit of happiness so i i think that's really what it is it's like all these vision statements are all about pursuit at the end of the day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think? Um, what do you think um, Terminus's promised land is for the promised land for the Terminus customer? Oh man, that you're really putting me on the spot there right now, but that's a good one. Um, I, so we have, uh, our vision is to unite the go-to-market teams of every single B2B company in the world. We just want to help do that. And when we think about that, our internal slogan around that is hashtag one team. That's our world. We believe that if more and more companies in their marketing, sales, and customer success, those are typically your go-to-market teams. If they unite and they work together, they will have a one-team impact on the organization because as a customer of our company, we we just have realized, and I think it's true for almost every company, they don't care if you're in marketing or sales or customer success. They just want great experience. So as part of our account-based marketing, which is a product, which is a platform that we are, or a service you're providing, that's not our vision. That's, that's part of how we're getting there. But our, our promised land is to, to unify the go-to-market teams in every single B2B company in the world and how it sounds. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't know enough of, to, to sort of say, you know, to, to weigh in on, on that one, but... You know, what might be interesting is to ask customers. I often ask customers this, this question. I say, um, how did, you know, say Terminus change your life? And we want to hear what they say. Uh, do they say, hey, they, they united our go-to-market team or some version of that. You know, they got us united. They got us all on the same page so that we could be successful. Great. Um, you know? Yeah, uh, maybe they say something else that that might give you a you know a little more flavor to it. It's it's uh, it's always a really interesting process to 
to hear what they answer to that question. Absolutely, man. And I think we did go through maybe not as rigorous that that we might have gone through or we will go through in in future, but we did go through and, and started calling up customers as we were starting to iterate on it and uh, and just open blank, right? No, like really not leaning into anything, but letting them just say whatever it is and then let each of those words kind of seep in. We'll record it. We'll let them know we're recording it. We'll got that conversation down. And then as a team, we just said, well, here are the words and start to see those patterns, as you said, oh, they all are talking about this idea of team. And that's where the one team came about is that they really feel like what we are helping them do is for sales and marketing to act as one team, as opposed to two separate teams with two separate goals. And they really started to talk about teamwork. Um, and, and that really helped us really solidify this idea that it's really one team. That, that That's so cool. Should. Really cool, Sangur, because it sounds like you're you've kind of arrived at a very similar process to to what I go through. That, that's really cool. Yeah, uh, and you know, as as you were talking about it, I took the liberty of just googling because I'm just like excited about this whole idea of like vision statement. And here is you know just real real time, IKEA. Their vision statement is our vision is to create a better everyday life for many people. And I'm, I'm just starting to like, and then like Nike here, there, there is. Uh, bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. So to kind of really support what you started this whole conversation is that it's not about us. It's not about internal thing. And if it happens, then that's great. But it is about what is the value? What is what is it that you're really doing for your customers? How would they experience the joy of whatever service you're providing is really what the vision statement seems to be like. So that is really spot on. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, you can see it, like you can see when a company has that kind of language, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of dictates everything that happens. And these, it's, I think no accident. These are companies that you think of as being very, you know, customer centric. Uh, they're not just saying they are, but they, their whole, uh, organizing strategy has been, uh, articulated in a, in a, in a, in a customer centric story. That is amazing, man. Well, this is good. So to wrap it up, I, I wanted, I always take a ton of notes and try to, try to wrap it up and keep it to like 10 to 15 minutes as people drive in. I think I, I did not estimate like this whole conversation really helped me think about the vision statement. And I'm going to go back to my team and, and really think through it uh, one more time because I think it's so important. What, what Andy, you really made me think about is that Hey, look, the first one where you said that when you created your first business plan and you were rated number, you know, the last or the worst in it, you didn't take that as like, oh my goodness, what's wrong with me? And, you know, what was going on? You really took that as an opportunity to learn what it, it what is it that you need to improve? And you dramatically change your odds to success purely by changing the way you're telling the story of going through almost a screenwriter storytelling approach. So I think that's just phenomenal. I think it speaks to the fact that we're all still in the business of selling to people. Uh, we're not selling to bots uh, yet, uh, although people, a lot of people are talking about it. But we are really, really encouraging people to have stories that have emotional connection with it. Uh, and then, then the other part that you shared with the story of Airbnb, which is live there, uh, just two words. And, and that becomes their narrative and that just becomes an ingrained core value of it, which is this whole idea. And I think that's what we should call this podcast is the promised land. It's getting to a promised land. How does everybody in your organization and externally look at you from where do you want to take everybody? What does that promised land look like? 
And and I loved, loved, loved the part where you kind of shared that, hey, look, one of one of the companies that you were working with, they literally had the, a already well-written statement like win customers for life. And you're like, man, that this is it. And and I think you just talking to your customers and listening and hearing in their own words might literally solve this this challenge of trying to come up with something in a boardroom. So I think those are really, really cool idea. I wonder if you could share as a parting uh, advice or, or a strategy, what, what are some like things that you would say if, if you're struggling with coming up with a narrative, uh, here are the two or three things, uh, two or three things you should do. And, I, and, and the reason I ask that is because a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are in marketing or sales uh, or, you know, are obviously in, even executives. And I think it goes beyond just a company-wide initiative, right? You know, every function in the company need to have uh, their own, like, mission and vision, if you will, that aligns with the corporate and the company mission and vision. But I've started to see that smaller teams in organizations can have a unique ability to create their own little culture based on how they work, act, and behave, as long as it is aligned with the main uh vision and mission statement. So I wonder if there is a parting advice for everybody to say that, hey, look, if you are in any function today and, and if you're working with your organization, here are a few ways to think about and go about building your own vision statement. Yeah, well, when building a promise land statement uh, with teams, yeah, clearly this is such an important part of the, the story. Um, but it really comes from the what I call the the undeniable relevant change in the world that you identify uh, that drives people to even need to get this promised land. Um, you know, the change in the world, meaning, hey, we're in the world of cloud now versus the world of software. In Benioff's case, we're in the world of subscriptions. Uh, the subscription economy that Zawara talks about versus, hey, we're in that old world of uh, product and uh, one-off kind of transactions. And, you know, this is really kind of the engine that drives the story. And identifying this change is, again, something that I spend a lot of time with, with uh, leaders and uh, CEOs and their teams. But once this change has been identified, uh, then... You can use it, all the teams in the, in the company can use it as a starting point to say, hey, because of this change, you know, what is, what is maybe a, a version of the promised land for, I don't know, the group that we, uh, we work with or, you know, for our function? Uh, Zora has a great example where they, uh, you know, they start with the, the subscription economy. We all now live in a subscription economy. And then, you know, if they're talking to product managers, they'll say, hey, uh, in the subscription economy, you know, there's a new role for the product manager. Instead of, I don't know, I forget exactly what it is, but instead of like selling widgets, you're now about, you know, creating relationships. And so they're talking about how this change kind of trickles down to the various different, it could be functions, could be uh, industries, and could be, uh, you know, different parts of the company. Uh, so I always use that change uh, as the uh, the glue that binds together all of the different kind of stories that we need to tell. I love that, man. I think I think that that really sums it up well. And I'll leave every all the listeners with one question. 
uh, to ask themselves and their teams, what is your promised land? I think that, that question sums up really what people need to really think about. If we can articulate and take the time to, to, to come up with the promised land, man, our conversations internally, externally, it won't be debates about what he thinks, she thinks. It will be all about, here's where we want to go. Let's figure out the best way to get there. So I think it's not just a creative exercise. It is really fundamentally can change every single aspect of your organization if you get this right. So Andy, thank you so much for sharing so much wisdom on messaging, storytelling, and the importance of it. Uh, and and having a a really interesting view of looking at it through the eyes of promised land. Thanks, Agram. And it was great to uh, also hear about your experiences in in, uh, creating this stuff and and just really cool to hear about some of the parallel uh, ways that that we both reached these uh, similar kind of points. That's awesome, man. Catch you later. Thanks so much. Flip My Funnel is on a mission to build the largest and most engaged community of B2B professionals in the world. Join the movement at flipmyfunnel.com. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. 